Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When I go to Sacramento, I will pump up Sacramento. Sacramento. Some say the news is fake. Others say it's real. These two don't have the time to check. Instead, Turner Sparks and Michael Ira Kaplan turn to comics stationed around the globe to be their eyewitness reporters so that you can know what's really going on. This is Lost in America. All right, everybody, welcome to Lost in America, episode 194. My name's Turner Sparks. And I'm Mike Kaplan. You can find me at Turner Sparks on Instagram. You can find Kaplan at Cap in America. This show, Lost in America, you can watch us on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can yeah. listen to us on iTunes, Spotify, any of that stuff. Kaplan, today. Everywhere. Oh, also Patreon. Tell them about Patreon. Patreon, we do a show. This is our show where we, where we learn about the world. But They already know ab- what they're learning yeah, about. They're but if you come to, to Patreon, you can learn about us. So our day-to-day life, now we're dealing with the, qu- the quarantine. It live is from me, a bu- the it is Kaplan. It is called Live from the Bunker. We put it out four extra days a week. So you get five shows a week out of us for $5 yeah. a month. Get those four extra shows. Today on the podcast, we have Natalie Akar from... Lebanon from Beirut. I, I hope she's from Beirut. I actually didn't double check on that, but she is from Lebanon. She's a comedian in New York City. She's fantastic. We performed together for years. She's going to, Kaplan, I've been reading, first of all, this thing is classic America. This explosion in Beirut was in the news for like three days. Everybody yeah. posted on Facebook about it. And then uh, everyone for, forgot about it because Trump tweeted. Um, and then Melania Trump wore some dress or anything will knock real news out of the news cycle. So we have her on to explain everything that happened, everything, how this happened, what's happening next, what's going on now. Kevin, before we get to that, what do you know about Beirut? Let's start there. Yeah, well, I think this is like we were talking off air, like you were saying it's a bit of a hole in your knowledge. You're 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 a world traveler. You're not an American. You don't like to say you're a typical American, but you don't know. I much like about- to say I'm an American, <laughs> but you don't know much about the Middle East. I don't really know much either, but I like to pretend. So like Le- Lebanon, uh, you know, I would I, I know that it used to be known as the Paris of the Middle East, they used to call it. Right. That's that's a term. Okay, good heard. start. I can use good that. start. <laughs> use that. Yeah, because I, I believe I, I'm guessing it used to be a French colony because of that. Okay. You know, the French, the French, because I don't know if you know this, but the, the Europe kind of screwed up the whole Middle East between the, mostly the British, maybe a little bit of the Turks and maybe a little bit of the French. So anyway, you, that's that. So that's, that's Lebanon was French's. And then I know, like, I only know is because I'm, I come from, as we've talked about before, like I come from like your standard American Jewish family where very all, standard, but all of our dinner table conversations are related to Israel somehow. 
So I, things would stick out in my head over the years. And I remember my dad had a Lebanese Christian friend who was a doctor and he used to joke that he was more pro-Israel than we were. And I never, so like in my mind, I, I sort of was like, oh, there's different ethnic situations, but I don't know the details. I don't know the nitty gritty. I remember the last thing I do remember is there was a, about 15 years ago or so, I remember Bush was president. There was like a revolution that I guess didn't stick. There was a the Cedar Revolution. <laughs> there was, good knowledge. Was, yeah, good, no, do you remember there was like a, a prime minister no. was assassinated? Oh. And um, I, don't, I just remember it was like real hopeful time and like every other hopeful time. Uh, I don't think it, based on this explosion and other things I've heard, I don't think it's stuck. And I think there's it's still not, it's still, things aren't still going that well. And then what, what about you? What do you know? Anything? I know that Beirut um, was also, was it what they used to call beer pong? Yes, there you go. Yes, <laughs> That's the one I was missing. And why did why is is it the same? Like is it the same rules as regular beer pong Beirut, or is it a different game? I don't I know. Like- I don't think anyone who played Beirut knew where Beirut was. I right, think that was <laughs> ironic to the whole thing. But and yeah, you know, that was what all the frats called it. Besides that, I don't know much. As you, you said, my knowledge of Asia is very good. I lived over there for a long time. Middle East is my blind spot, so I'm excited to learn. That's really all I know. So let's just yeah. hop right well, into and it. And you know, one last thing is that uh, Beirut, the game is going to go away in this post-corona world. No one's ever going to play it again. So one day, generations, we'll be telling our kids about beer pong. We'll be explaining them. How do you play this game? How disgusting that is. But yeah, let's, that's, that's good that's, addition. Good, yeah. good ad there, Kaplan. <laughs> that was helpful so, to know. All right, Natalie, uh, how did we do? Not too bad. I was expecting worse to be oh, honest. Look at that. Oh, look at us. I mean, I have to say I'm a little bit more impressed with Mike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I only knew one thing. This is, I got to say, this is all pre-studying. I did a lot of cramming this week to get ready for this episode. I yeah, love Turner that you were like, Tur- Turner, I love that you were like, I know about Asia, Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's an expert. He knows more about Asia. We go to him. Uh, all of my friends go to Turner for all of our China questions. He's the, he answers them. So that's yeah, that's, I know. But you go a little bit farther west and no. Well, Middle East, I, I only I only know if we've went to war. It's the United States have been to war with them because that's right. when they're really you know in the news. But when, so you know nothing. Iraq, you know oh Fallujah, Baghdad, <laughs> Bagra. You know what I'm talking about the the golden. What is it? That's not a golden triangle. It's the, the red. You know the red zone. I know the, I know the red zone. You know, okay. More than Del- <laughs> right. I don't know two towns in Delaware. I know three cities in Iraq. So anyway, go ahead. But this is on Lebanon. <laughs> Beirut. Turner, do you do you remember? I don't know if you remember that. Um, it was like maybe nine, ten months ago. We were at New York Comedy Club. We were waiting to get on stage, and two people walked in. Yes. Remember that? Okay, so two people walked in. They didn't say anything. They weren't talking. They just and you're my witness, Turner. <laughs> They just walked in. I've never seen those people before. And they just walk into the showroom. And I look at Turner and I go, these people are Lebanese. 100% they're Lebanese. And he was like, what? I was like, I'm sure they're Lebanese. And then he was like, okay. And I was like, I got to be right. I got, I'm sure. And then when the host was up, I went inside because, you know, the host at a comedy show asks people where they're from. I was like, there wasn't that many people there. So I'm like, he's going to ask them. And then he got to them and he was like, where are you guys from? And the guy goes, Canada. And then the girl goes, Washington, D.C. And I was like, fuck, how could I have been wrong? Like, I was so sure. And then Turner goes up. I think you go up maybe first and then you leave. And I went up last that night. And I go up and I still felt it in my heart. I was like, there's no way I was wrong. And then I go up and I say that I'm from Lebanon as a test. And they go, whoa. And I'm like, and I just like my <laughs> face turns to. Yeah, I go, are you guys Lebanese? And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I fucking know it. I was like, where's Turner? <laughs> How? And then you, t- I think you were texting me that night. You're like, I knew they were from Lebanon. 
Yeah, I texted. That's that's the night I followed you on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I followed you on Instagram. I followed you. I was like, I got to tell you about this. That so I was you could right. brag that you knew. So what How was it about know? them? It was the tell. I don't know. There's something about Lebanese people that other Lebanese people catch. There's like a way of moving, talking. I don't know what it was. I just felt it. And I was so angry that they were like, Canada and D.C. I was like, who the fuck taught you to do that? That happened to me in China. People, I'd be like, I know they're American. And then someone would be like, where are you from? And they're like, Canada. Well, yeah, yeah, it's less controversial, Canada. Such bullshit. I went up later. You know what? I think they don't want to hear about the comments usually, you know, everyone just says Canada. (laughs) There's a lot of Lebanese people in Canada. That's why. Oh, they thought the comic would make a bad beer punk joke. And they were trying to avoid that. I didn't even know that. I found that out like a year ago. Somebody told me that they call beer punk Beirut because we played beer punk in Lebanon. And And you didn't call it Beirut. No. (laughs) Did you call it like New York? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I was just like, who calls it like that? And they were like, everyone. I was like, who's everyone? Why? Mostly Sigma Chi. Yeah, those <laughs> they can't find Lebanon on a map, but that's what they call it. Yeah. So why? Uh, so did, did I you grew up in Beirut. I think, Is that- I think most of us have studied this, but I mean, have have, have, have figured this out since. But why was this uh, uh, twenty seven hundred fifty tons of ammonium nitrate sitting in that location in the middle of Beirut for six years? That is the question, Turner. <laughs> what have they that figured the anything question. out since the news stopped reporting on it in America? Uh, so many speculations are coming out, but the government is doing a great job at making sure that nothing final gets confirmed. Um, the truth is, at the end of the day, is that it was there, they were aware of it, and they did nothing about it. And they've been, the people who worked at the port have been trying to raise the alarm on this for a while, and the government kept shutting it down. Did they just not want to deal? Like they didn't know how they to didn't want to deal with it. Well, they didn't want to deal with it or they didn't want to deal with the people who had brought mm, it in. Right. Who control everything in do, Lebanon. Do they think it? So is that, uh, is it Hezbollah who they yeah. assume controls? Right. It's. Yes. A, I'm not going to say it's 100% them because, you know, I'm not in charge. I don't right. know for we, sure, but I'm pretty and, sure and they, everybody's saying it's them. And they are listening to this podcast. Hezbollah are big fans of ours. So we have to. You know what? If Hezbollah does a research on me at some point and they just listen to the podcast that I've done, I think I'll get I'm in trouble. Yeah. So all right. So, all right, so this you can say whatever you want, because whatever's been said, you've already said it. Yeah. I mean, but I always say I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, you're not. So sure. can you explain? Because I'm an idiot. So explain that part. To, you guys just kind of like both knew what you were talking about, but I had no idea. So uh, when you're saying they don't want to say it's Hezbollah, why would they not want to say it was Hezbollah? Uh, because Hezbollah doesn't want to say it's Hezbollah, and we and, and got to do what Hezbollah wants. Yeah, got it. They're not officially, but unofficially, they are. They're very, they're very powerful. I'm, Can you guys hear the screaming on the street? Yeah, yeah. Is that a protest going on? No. <laughs> oh, just people yelling <laughs> at each other. <laughs> That's New York. It's just Brook, just Brooklyn. I <laughs> right, keep. Yeah. So, yeah. Um. Yeah, because it's I, I, what happened. I don't think anybody anybody was anticipating something that big, so no one wants to take responsibility for it. You know, right. so the it, here's the thing with ammonium nitrate though: ammonium nitrate is highly combustible, but it's not an explosive. 
it doesn't just go off by itself. It takes a lot of work to get ammonium nitrate to do what it did. So something happened that caused the ammonium nitrate to combust. And that's where the question mark is, where it's like, what was going on? So a lot of people are saying there was a weapon delivery at the port, that the weapon delivery got bombed and whoever bombed the weapon delivery didn't know that there was the ammonium nitrate and then the explosion of the weapons caused the explosion of the ammonium nitrate but which but it's again speculations and then a lot of people are saying no it was you know it was purposely exploded i don't know it's just you don't know i don't know it could be like some guys who didn't know what they were doing and accidentally exploded it is that are they yeah but it's a it's a port it's high there's high security there everything is pretty organized like doesn't just happen no you know i also read that it was like there was fireworks they also kept fireworks next to it no that's not that was covered no 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 no. whoever said it's fireworks they try to fuck they try to fucking make us believe that for like 15 minutes and everybody was like are you kidding oh see that's the thing that's the the news i read i think initially was from like two when it just happened two weeks ago so maybe yeah the the beginning yeah it's it's, and it's not it's it's not definitely not fireworks but the reality is there was a fire for 30 minutes so they had 30 minutes. The government had 30 minutes to issue a warning and be like, get away from the port. There was, um, what do you call them? Firefight- firefighters were sent to put out the fires while they knew that there was the ammonium nitrate there and that it's highly combustible. They literally sent firefighters to their grave. To their Absolutely. grave. So who? how many people knew... Um- like what level of government knew that all that ammonium nitrate was there? I don't. I can't tell you the number of people, but the whole government knew. The parliament knew. The government knew. The president knew. Okay, so you didn't have to be super high up to know that that was there. I mean, they're the highest up. Oh, okay. So you had to be them, and then their parties and their people, and then the people who worked at the port and the people who were in charge of deliveries at the port. They knew. So a lot of people knew. A lot of people knew. The people, the population of Lebanon, people like me, didn't know. Yeah. And it's it's been there since 2013 and that's insane. Where yeah. It's 7 years of and it's and it's in the most it's it's like the port is at I used to party at the port. Oh, oh god. Like there's a huge nightclub at the port. Like yeah. right, not, not at the port. Smoking yeah. like cigarettes 5 minutes, a, five minutes away. Oh, no, yeah, so the port is the port, but there's like right next to the port on because the port is on the sea. So there's like a bunch of things right next to the port that are like uh, event spaces because it's by the sea. And so there was this huge nightclub right by there. There's a huge venue space right by there. And we used to hang out there a lot. And then we hang out also. So there's one street in Beirut that has all the bars, all the restaurants. It's where we all hang out at all the time. Like I'm, when I'm in Lebanon, I'm there on that street. <laughs> and when I was living in Lebanon, I was there, like my local bar that I used to go to every single weekend. I was there every Thursday, Friday, Saturday night for like four years, all through college. Yeah. It, it's gone. And so this was 2013. I was in Lebanon up until 2015, right? And so I was, when the bomb happened and that street is now complete, all the bars, all the restaurants are completely destroyed. Um, my the the local bar my brother goes to every week the waitress that would wait that would serve him every that he knows really well she would serve him every time she got killed in the explosion Ugh. my friend was there he was in the, he went to the hospital with his girlfriend he had to get surgery it was like a huge thing i'm like this whole street 
if this bomb had, if the ammonium nitrate got combusted or whatever before Corona on a weekend night, all of Lebanon's youth would have been gone because we're all there. Every weekend, you can't even park a car. You can barely drive because it's so fucking crowded. So, so that's like lighting that off like next to like 4th Street, Manhattan, like in the West Village. I mean, like yeah. the, college, Any, the college bar area. Which, is, which begs Any the question city. of like, it's one thing to know for the government to look the other way with Hezbollah or whoever has this weapons thing, but to leave it in that location so densely populated yeah, is it's, a special it's, kind of a competence, really. I mean, y- Really, it's yeah. it literally is, and everybody was affected. I mean, it, it the explosion was felt in Cyprus, which is an island away on the Mediterranean. They felt it. Yeah, they thought it was an earthquake, right? Yeah, so it goes to show how fucking strong that was. And, you know, I've been through wars. I've been through bombs before. We always brush it off two days later. I've never seen anything like this, and I've never seen my friends and my family affected so much by something like this. Never in my life. Like... It's been hard to talk to people on the phone. It's been, I was able to get my best friend on the phone for the first time in three weeks, like four days ago, because she, she was very affected. She almost died. Her mother almost died. It was, and so, and it's weird because you talk to them on the phone. You want to talk to them. You want, they're your friends, they're your family, but they don't want to talk about it because they're traumatized. But then you can't talk about anything else because nothing fucking matters to them right now besides that. So we're on the phone and it's just like, I'm afraid to say, how are you? Like, I got my godmother two days ago. I was like, hey, what, how are you? And she goes, oh, top, top. She goes, what do you want me to say? We're going out, we're living. There was nothing. It's perfect. How are you? And I was like, I'm sorry, I asked. <laughs> was that sarcastic? She's telling you? Yeah, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I call my mom. Hey, mom, what's up? What? Yeah. What's up? You want me to tell you what's up? Why do you want me to start with what's up? And then she just starts going and going. And I'm like, afraid to call people. And I feel like they're angry with me when, I, although they're not, and it's not about me. It, they just went through something so traumatic, but it's, it's impossible to communicate. It's like, you would think, okay, the explosion happened. It passed. Now people move on. And it's like their grief and their shock and their trauma is growing deeper and deeper and deeper. And that's putting everything else aside about the fact that they drive through those streets every day, people are living in rubbles in their own homes and they have to rebuild. And then the hospitals are already at capacity with coronavirus and already people who are wounded and the economical collapse and the inflation of the Lebanese pound and everything is just too much where people don't know where to put their energy anymore. Yeah. Where to start. Yeah. So what was the, um, cause as reading about the government, it seems like they, there was something I read that said they hadn't passed the, or there was a 10 year, uh, it took them 10 years to pass a budget recently. I don't know if it did pass or they're still trying to pass it, but like, where does the, you're talking about, <laughs> okay. Where, well, no, I, they were saying they were relating it to the, the idea that this was sitting there for seven years saying that, well, mm-hmm. also that this is not atypical because, things the government moves very slowly in lebanon currently it barely moves barely moves okay it barely moves so one of the main reasons lebanon has been going through a revolution since october we've been in an uprising constant uprising and before covid and before this bomb happened it was already a disaster and people can't access, can't even access their own money in the banks because the government the current leaders current fuckers excuse my french that they're the devil 
they stole the money from the banks. They stole the money of the people and they wired them to funds to banks outside of Lebanon. And now the banks in Lebanon are out of cash. It kept happening over the years and it got to the point now where they stole so much money that the banks are out of cash. So let's say I have a bank account and I want to go get my money out right now. I can't. People are going to the banks and the banks are like, I'm sorry, we can't give you your money. People want to wire, there's the money's not there. And people want to wire funds to their children who are studying abroad, for example. They want to send like $1,000, $2,000, anything. They're like, "Mm, sorry, we can't. So what's good? So the, the prime minister stepped down, right? The new, who he, only, he only came in a few, like what? October he came in in January. Uh, I think in January. I can't remember when it got officiated, but like right. in October, the other government, the, the government resigned and then a new government was put in place right after. But it's, it doesn't mean anything because when they put in a new government, it's even if it's new people, they're from the same political parties. So it's like they're fucking fooling us. You know, it's the same people that it's the same people who are still in charge. The parliament is still up and the president is still up. So the government resigning and the prime minister resigning doesn't mean shit. And in the Western media, when they posted about it, they made it sound like Lebanon got victory. Like, oh, Lebanon's government finally resigns. Good for Lebanon. And it's like, no, it's still really bad. What do you mean good for Lebanon? It's, it, it means shit. I think that's what I think I read some article where the title of the article was like the pre, the prime minister resigned, like the government changed. And then when you read yeah. two paragraphs in, it's like, but the president's still there. So that was my yeah. main question. What does that mean? Then it means nothing is what you're saying. And it isn't nothing because isn't um, I mean, isn't like is it Iran or who's like really pushes Hezbollah into like, Iran? Iran. Yeah. So like really Iran the Lebanese- and the Syrian regime and Assad. Russia, Russia. Yes. The big. Yeah. So that's why the Lebanese government, no matter as for years, has not really been independent the way a normal country would. Correct? Is that how? Yeah, they yeah. say they say it is, but you know, I always remember hearing echoes ever since I was a kid that it's it's Hezbollah that controls it. It's Hezbollah that you know you can't piss off Hezbollah. Hezbollah has to be happy if Hezbollah gets pissed, they all ruin everything. Like, be careful, be careful, be careful, be careful. Hezbollah, Hezbollah. Ever since you're a kid, even when you don't understand shit and you don't understand the politics, you know that they're you know what's up with them. Right. Yeah. So what's, um, I, I, uh, this might be a tough question. What's like, what's the, what's the ideal situation to come out of this? What could happen? What should, maybe not what could, what should, what do you think? A complete fall of the regime. Okay. Complete fall of the regime. Um, a proper, um, how do you say that in English? Um, a proper like uh, um, indictment, a proper indictment of all the people in charge and the loss of their power completely and the return of the money of the people. Like we ideally want all those political leaders to completely fall, all their power to go and for them to get tried in front of international, in front of an international tribunal, which is not happening but these people so these people who are in charge it's like seven eight main dudes each running a main political party and these guys were war leaders during the civil war from 1975 to 1990 so they're criminals they're murderers and when the war ended in 1990 for them to stop killing each other they made a deal within each other they're like let's split the power between all of us let's stop fighting let's split the power between all of us We'll split the parliament between all of us. We'll split the government between all of us. So the head of the parliament is going to be a um, 
uh, Muslim Shia, and then the head of the government is going to be a Muslim Sunni, and then the head of the uh, and then the president is going to be a Christian, and then in, e- in, in the government and in the parliament will split it equally between all the sectarian parties and then all the political parties. This way, all of us have equal power. So those guys who were the militia leaders during the war became government leaders, parliament leaders, and the presidents, and then they've been in charge ever since. They're criminals, basically. But if they're from... Um, uh, if they're from, all from different factions, different like groups... Wouldn't that make it, that seems like it would split the power evenly, would it not? Or did they all just crony up together and, and say kind of like, screw, our, screw, our, screw who we represent? Yeah, there's still some um, rivalries between them, but at the end of the day, they work with each other at the end of the day. They all still want the power. You know what I mean? So um, it's, 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 I forgot what the question was. So the question was, because <laughs> it would seem like in 1990, that might have sounded like a good idea. If you said, well, oh, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. eight different groups and we're all represented by one of these eight. So if you give all eight right. equal power, then we'll all have a say. It, it did sound like a great idea in 1990, which is why yeah. it worked. And then people just accepted it and stopped questioning it. The generation that lived through the war were just glad the war was over. And then the younger generation um, was just getting shut up like we're just they would shut us up so the war ended in 1990 so the people who were born after that we ever since we were kids people they, our parents our parents generation were always like don't ask about politics don't ask for an explanation just shut up and accept what it is accept the status quo keep living but keep nagging about it it sucks it sucks it sucks we're under terrible leadership but don't ask questions. We just, we just don't want a war. And so my generation, as we were growing up, we were quiet and we were kind of like shutting out what was going on because that's what we were told to do. But I think what's causing this commotion and this anger right now is because my generation has grown up enough and has become adult enough to be like, wait, wait a second. We're being really affected by this. Why? We don't have the trauma of the war. We don't have the attachment to these leaders that we that our parents have. We don't give a shit. So we're like, no, this needs to stop. So I think it's the youth that really is starting to shake things up. I mean, these dudes are all like 70 years old and above. And if it's not them, it's their sons because they got murdered. Right. And so I think that's what causing that's what's causing this commotion. And I think that's what is going to cause the change, not to what expense it's been at a terrible expense so far, but hopefully we're going to come out, but it's going to take years and years and years and years, I think for us to be able to like, all those guys need to die. So it's kind of, it just created like eight kings, it sounds like. Because they're Basically. not empowered anyone. If they do, it's one of their children. Basically. But, and how does that square though with like Hezbollah being having so much power because they would only support everything. They support the Shiite. Like how does, do they support all the, they, they're okay with this status quo because they have this certain power that they've been given or? or they yeah, just, they have uh, so much power. I think they don't, they don't need, I mean, they, I think, like a I don't know what the inside, yeah, I don't know what the inside info with them is. It's always weird. It always changes, but they have, they have um, allies. Right. So the president is Christian, but he's Hezbollah's ally. Oh, okay. And a lot of Christians are supportive of that because they feel like it keeps us safe. Right. Right. So a lot of Christians are like, keep this partnership because as long as this partnership is going on, the Christians will 
remain because, untouched. Because it's a minority community, right. as far as if you break it down. Right. right. But then a lot of other Christians are like, no, he's just using us now because he needs us. But then as soon as his other problems are resolved, he'll turn back on us. Right. So there's a lot of layers to it. And there's a lot of, everybody has a different agenda. Everybody has a different thought process, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's exhausting to even think about it because, yeah, I, so you know, it's so complicated. And it's also like, how are we, how, how do you get out of this? How do you yeah. begin to get out of this? Yeah. Cause it's stuck so deep in that you're like a lot. That's why a lot of people are just like packing their bags and leaving. Is that the case? A lot of people are taking off. Yeah. A lot of people are taking off, especially after the bomb. Like the bomb was the like the, the the breaking point for a lot of people, and a lot of people's homes were destroyed. Like my parents' friends was like the day of, of the bomb. He told them he's like, "I'm out. I'm taking my kids and I'm fucking leaving. It's yeah. done." So your yeah. family's far enough away. No, my family's kidding. very close. <laughs> actually. Oh, oh, really? It, they're in the middle of the city. Yeah. Right. So my grandparents' home was completely destroyed. Oh God. Um. So my grandparents are camping at my parents' house right now. Our building is a little bit. So we're three minutes away from my grandparents. We're very close to them, our building. Our building was, you know, some some things on the outside got broken. Um, so a couple of windows, like some random doors inside the apartment. Also, I think with the shock, they just like slammed and as they slammed, they broke. Um, but I think we were high up enough and a little, we had enough buildings in between us and the bomb that it like got the shock a little slower than it did in her. But what's scary right now is that we just don't know which, uh, you know, a lot of buildings are in, uh, could crumble now because you don't know how weak or strong some of these buildings are actually. And you don't know what the shock could have done to the base of these buildings. And my building is kind of weak because we've had like rocks fall out of the building for a few years now. I Like it's been an issue in my building for a while where my mom is at war with all the neighbors because she's like, the rocks are are falling out of the thing and they're like yeah it does it fine yeah <laughs> and she's yeah. like they're falling out and then in the garage and <laughs> the parking there's like it's always leaking there's always like every time it rains like the wall like the ceiling of the parking um garage and my building is like leaks more and more and you feel like the wall is crumbling yeah and so every time i go home and i look up i'm like is this about to fucking fall on my head <laughs> no, so you just so you just no. don't know the extent of what the shock has done. So there's a lot of buildings that even though they weren't completely destroyed, that were closed that are like being evacuated because they're like, you need to get out. But then there's a lot of people who have nowhere to go. So they're just like, well, if it falls, it falls. I have to stay here. I have no choice. Yeah. What was it like it, right before? Oh, Cap, go ahead. If you guys have No, I was just going to say, I can only imagine because that, that visual, everybody in America, the one thing we did see before the news story went away was that like those like viral pictures of the actual explosion. With yeah. the conspiracy theorists, people saying it's like a nuke. It's definitely a nuke. They didn't know what they were talking. But like, you just can't imagine like what... Yeah, because like we have buildings falling down in New York City right now because they're just not made well. So yeah, like, did you know it, what's so funny? The day of the explosion, I was on my bed and I was calling my mom and my dad and then my roommates were like, there's a building two blocks down that just crumbled. I was like, what yeah. the fuck is going on? In yeah. Brooklyn, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, two blocks away from my apartment. Yeah, so it's I, for me four blocks the other way. So we must live in the same neighborhood. Are you in but, Williamsburg? Uh, no. Okay. So there was one near there's me. More oh, than so one. There's there's two like couple, yeah. A couple buildings fell in Brooklyn last month. Yeah. I'm near downtown. I'm in a Cobb, uh, Carroll gardens, but there was a Cobble Hill area. There was a building over there. What oh yeah. Mine like? was in Williamsburg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So right Go before ahead. all this, or like when you were, this sounds like a fun, like when you were in college, 
what's the was it still a pretty um uh i guess socially was this the city where you have like the have and the have nots or you know what i mean was it a cosmopolitan it's it seems like a big yeah. cosmopolitan city that seems like oh yes yeah it sounds awesome right it's the best it really is and i'm saying this objectively put everything aside i was you know my lot when i was in college there i was miserable just because i just there were so many things i wanted to do and i felt like my country couldn't offer them to me at like a professional level but at a social level it was the best high school was awesome college was great we it's a great party it's a great party city it's a great party country it's um people there are full of life um they're very they're very they're they're just so kind they're so good they're very welcoming people love each other people Lebanese people love people and so we used to go out a lot you can do so much you do party at the beach you party in the mountains you it's like it's a it's a country that's full of life and I think especially especially because it went through a 15 year civil war there is this kind of way of life that we have in Lebanon where it's like party every day like you could die tomorrow yeah. And so everybody's like, let's just have fun. And people are always having fun. And this is what, this is what I, I, I just wish people knew more about that. It's like, I think the reason this new cycle just came in and out so quickly is because people are like, oh, that's just another day. It's just another bomb in the Middle East. Where I'm like, no, it's not. This is not normal. This, this disrupted a lot of things. These people are just like you. These are people who go out. Those are people who love. These are people who live. Like we have normal lives. We go out, we get drunk or some people don't, but we have fun. We go to the beach. Right. We, we have lovers. We have boyfriends. We have girlfriends. We have all these things. And then in the middle of it, you just get fucking exploded and catapulted off the, your couch onto the wall. And then all of a sudden, you your life is completely halted. It's not an everyday thing. Yeah. It is out of the ordinary. It's yeah, not in the ordinary. Even in the war-torn countries, when you look at war-torn countries, usually war is happening in specific areas. I mean, unless it's like a huge war, like what happened in Syria. It's like, you know, you still live. You don't stop living when there's war. So it's not a normal Right. And People it's also think the- it's just normal, so it should we shouldn't be bothered by it because oh, it's normal for them. But it's really not. Nobody should be living like that. Yeah, so now so that you have, time. it's so random. But now that you have access to this information and you have access to, sorry, it's all right. no worries. <laughs> now that you have access to a platform, that you have access, do you have a voice that you could use? Why don't you fucking use it? you have no excuse at this point, especially with something that big. There is this part of me that gets angry at everyone. Like every time, like I saw everyone repost, repost stuff the day of the explosion. Everybody, all my American friends reposted videos of the explosion being like, help Lebanon. Oh no, donate if you can. And then the next day everybody stopped. I have maybe three or four American friends yeah. who are still posting about it. And every time they do, I mess them and I'm like, thank you so much. And people posted about it at the beginning because the video looked cool. Look yes. at yeah. that is, That's what I was going to say earlier. It's like, it was like, that's why it was getting viral. It was like, cause of how, like, yeah. It, was like it looked like it effects. was like in Transformers yeah. or something. Or something. Exactly. And it was like, and it was like the human aspect of it was almost getting lost in like that. Yeah. And I don't, and I don't blame people for being, you know, aroused by that in a certain yeah. way. But now the news cycle about it, like what's going on, the aftermath is always worse than the moment of. Trust me, it gets worse with the trauma and then rebuilding and then going through it all over again. And just, it's worse, but nobody's talking about it anymore because we don't have any cool visuals to go with it anymore. 
when you're going to post pictures of people setting up tents to help each other or like people cleaning up each other's homes, that's not cool to look at. People don't care. But that's the point in time where people need the most help. We're completely abandoned over there. Like my friends are in other people's homes, cleaning up the glass from their, you know, from their apartments and like helping set up fake glass, like fake windows while waiting for new windows to get built. Like these are people, a lot of people, a lot of friends of mine were going to Lebanon to visit and they, they end up staying to help rebuild. It's all volunteers, the government's so like, not, doesn't have the money or doesn't have the... Uh, they're not doing anything. They just don't. They don't just don't do anything. They just, they just send the army and the police to attack people. Yeah, people who That's are protesting it. or... Yeah, people who are protesting. And you know, this is why I used to be like such a like... Um, I used to be like so proud about Lebanese protests being peaceful. And everybody was like, we're doing peaceful protests, peaceful protests. And I'm like, fuck that shit. <laughs> fuck right. it. Peaceful doesn't work. Sometimes it just has to change. And people are like, this is what people in Lebanon, after the explosion, they were like, fuck the peaceful. We try to talk peacefully, nothing happens. And now they're just so angry and they're like a little bit more violent. But in a, it's so, I don't, I don't, I don't even want to say violent. I just think enraged. And I'm like, sometimes you need that rage, but then we get attacked and returned. They've been getting attacked by the police and the, oh my God. you know, and the army like crazy and they they set up the oh that's what the government did after the explosion set up a state of emergency and they give complete control um, of the streets to the army which means at this point the army can come into your home at any point in time whatever they want they can come in and take you out if they want arrest you into your home or your business that's what they did right. and they're shooting people with like those weird bullets that like um not even just rubber 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 bullets they're shooting um I don't even know what I had never even heard about it. It's like a, a weird splash of metals. Yeah. That like get like tiny, tiny metal things. Was well, that a shotgun? Into, I don't know I mean, what it is. I've never that, seen it before. But I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. So it just like, it sprays you with a bunch of little bullets. Right. 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 Yeah. And so people have been in the hospital because they've been getting sprayed with those, with those things in their heads and in their, and like in their eyes and in their bodies. And it, and, and it, causes like chronic nerve damage to your body is there any talk of any foreign entity stepping in like to help yeah um, yeah um canada's helping france is helping um they're sending money directly to organizations on the ground and they are sending uh things but there's the day after the explosion a bunch of european countries tried to send doctors and supplies and the government refused them oh my god i have like like we can handle this pride it's embar- thing, like they don't like want yeah like, we just- got this no one knows why yeah maybe or they just don't want international to uh, see what's in going on to see what's happening yeah, yeah. well because yeah to have too much access i mean because also if you're protesting something like hezbollah having this much ammo in a downtown set it's it's gonna get dicey you can't do it non-violently as you're saying like they're not they're not going to listen to that obviously so yeah, I, I really don't know what the, I mean, unless somebody does something to like Iran or Syria, Assad's. I just know. wish, you know, sometimes I sit down and I just dream and I'm like, I wish we could just wipe them out. All those fucking assholes, make them, make them disappear and just, just yeah. have them go. Just like, that's, that's all I, that's all we want. We just want them to just disappear. Yeah. I just wish they could. Was there a, uh, were you doing comedy? when you were over like uh 2015 were you in college and stuff or was that i was uh was a i was scene? a comedy writer okay. i was a comedy writer at a production house 
And the reason I left is because we had so little freedom. Okay. I'm familiar mm. with that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we had to be from China. Yes. Yeah, he was in China. I, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, I pitched some TV shows and wrote on some stuff. <laughs> <Wait>, really? <laughs> it was a very like narrow. Sat- political satires. We tried doing that, but um, we were told very early that they wa- it had to all be pro-government. Mm. Yeah. which is pretty hard to do. I also just did mm. a talk show that um, it was, it was a complete mess, complete disaster. Yeah. Anyway, you, what, how, how'd your, how'd yours go? <laughs> yeah, what kind of show I were you writing on? Were you- it was uh, it was a new production house. It was young guys um, that hired me to work with them. And it was like, we, we used, to, we, we wrote like a political, a politically controversial show. And then we were writing sketches, but then, everything would get kind of ruled out because we were like, Oh, we're going to piss them off. You can't do that. Oh, we're going to piss them off. Remove this. Oh, we're going to, and then it started switching. So we couldn't make money. So it started switching. They started writing for ads and advertisements and marketing stuff. So I was like, so boring. I was like, let me go to the land of the free (laughs) land where everything is possible, where you can do anything because they have a good government. (laughs) At least they're not editing sketches yet. Next, and next when did years. you come? What year did you come to the U.S.? 2015. Oh, you beat me. I came, uh, came right before 2016. You guys both came right in time for the election. Yeah, I basically yeah. came for the same reason. I mean, we came for the exact same reasons. Yeah, but then now I feel kind of I feel kind of hoaxed a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, sh- sh- what? Yeah, I mean, there's a kind of treason that you feel when you're an immigrant right now and you just got here and you see what's going on and you're like, that's not what you guys said you were going to do on TV. Yeah. <laughs> That's not what you promised. What is this? False advertising. Had you, had you been to America before? before you- I had come in 2006 during the war in Lebanon. Right. Oh, yeah, we, we escaped. T- yeah, there, what, we, we talked about that earlier. I, I sort of, what, there was like, that was when it was, 2006? The- yeah, so the, the war was in 2006. What you were talking about earlier, but that, that you it? knew about the revolution was in 2005. Oh, oh, there's a war then, 2006, after that? The war was after that. But what we did in 2005, oh. we actually succeeded at, because in 2005, our prime minister got murdered, who's right. the dad of the last prime minister who just resigned, oh. of okay. course. The guy who resigned last week, or two weeks ago. No, the guy who resigned at the start of the revolution in October. Last oh, late last there was a guy, yeah. but he's still one of somehow we didn't know anything about that, by the way. Yeah, but he's still one of the guys in charge, he's still one of the political leaders, and he's still one of the fucking crooks. Yeah, and his dad was also his dad was a huge opportunist. Can you say that in English? Opportunist, opportunistic uh, person, opportunist, opportunist. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> he was an opportunist when the war happened, and downtown Beirut was completely ravaged right before the end of the war he basically uh, bought people out of their homes and took property that wasn't his and then mm. rebuilt and sold for much more oh nice guy. and that's how he made his fortune with the help of the saudi arabians oh wow they helped him do that so his dad a lot of people hate him because they're like you stole beirut you stole beirut property you took advantage during the war and so, um, so his dad was prime minister and got murdered in February of 2015. And then it caused a whole thing, but it was a huge explosion. And a lot of people got, got it had a lot of casualties and had a lot of damage. So, and at that time we were being, uh, we, the Syrian army was in Lebanon. They had come during the civil war and they stayed. So we, I remember when we would like drive up to the mountains, we had, Isra- we had Syrian army checkpoints where we would stop. And then the Syrian army would be like, 
looking inside the car and being like, okay, you can go. And what were they looking for just to see? Just control. Right. Just There were Assad's guys, just control. Yeah. So when this happened, it kind of triggered and he was an enemy of, of the Syrian regime. He wasn't their ally. And so when that happened, it kind of caused a whole revolution in Lebanon. I was, there was 2 million people on the streets. It was March 14th, 2005. And then I remember I went down to my mom and my dad. We all went, everybody was on the street that day. It was a huge revolution. And then it was about getting Syria, the Syrian regime out of Lebanon. And then a couple of weeks later, they were gone. Oh, wow. So, really? So it and work. so it was, a, it did work. And so right. we were like, well, I'm still right. confused at how it worked. Cause I'm sure it's not the protest of that one day that made the Syrian <laughs> regime go, oh, you guys don't want us here. You should have just said so. Most yeah. effective go. protest day ever. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's some back channel conversations with the. There's Americans something, but something. at the end of the day, so it was a historical day. It was a day full of hope, and then it worked, and then it made us very happy. And then in 2006, in July, the war broke out between Hezbollah and Israel. Right. In okay. Beirut, which yes, is when we caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Yeah. So we escaped through Syria. We took a bus to Syria, and then a plane to Turkey, and then a plane to New York because my uncles live here. Right. And so we spent that summer here. And so, and then we spent a year here. So I had one year here in New York until I went back to Lebanon. How old were you then? 12. Okay. I was 12 years old and it was, I hated it here at the time. (laughs) Did you guys have, um, you just, you, you got visas and came like, so my dad has the American passport. So I was born with it. Ah, Okay. Got it. He always says it. He's like, if there's anything good I did for you kids is give you that citizenship. Right. When you take up and move quickly. Yeah. And then now I'm like, how good was it? What you did for me, dad? Yeah. You could have got how a good Canadian? is my life here? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You couldn't do New Zealand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we came here at the time. So it wasn't my first time here in 2015. The reason I came back was because it was a familiar, it was familiar grounds. New York. Yeah. Yeah, so you were writing for TV. So then when you say that they were censored, uh, there was, that, that seemed like there was self-censorship from the network you were writing for? It wasn't a network. It was a production house. It was tiny. It was, I was the youngest. I was 20 and then, or 19. I was 19. And then the oldest one there was 28. So okay. we we're all like very young people and they're doing great right now. They're killing it. A bunch of them got um, like a, like some sort of fellowship in, in, in LA that they couldn't get to because of Corona. And then they just opened a production house. They just shot a whole series during quarantine virtually hmm. that's broadcasting all over the Middle East. They're doing great. Um, but at the time we were still all so young and we just didn't know how to get around the system that I just, I was like, I don't feel like, I don't feel like, you know, fighting for this for 10 years until I can make $5 a month. Like, I just don't want to do that. And also, and maybe, 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 maybe just get shut right. down. Right. Yeah. And then I also was like, I'm, I was a girl in an Arab household. I have very strict parents. And I was like, I need to get out to really be able to, like, do what I want with my life. You're saying your your family doesn't believe in you becoming a comedy writer or comedian they do now it's not about it's not about that but it's like i i I have two older brothers and then my mom was pretty strict and so i was always so scrutinized 
everything I did, every move I made, they're always like, who are you going with? What are you doing? Where are you going? What time are you coming back? What da, da, da. You can't do this. You can't do that. No, come home. This is not good for you. This is so, and if it wasn't my mom, it was my brother. If it wasn't my brother, it was my other brother. If it wasn't him, it was my dad. If it wasn't her, it was my grandma. And it was so, it was just, it got to the point where I was like, I want to just do my own thing. I want to be left completely alone. So I sold yeah. my jewelry. Oh, wow. <laughs> Without telling my mom, I told my mom I made the money at the production house. Whoa. Uh, she, she's like, this isn't yeah. $5. Were they family heirlooms? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> but they were, but they were mine. Oh, okay. wait. Yes. So, you talk about this on stage, right? Yeah. Yeah. I talk about yes. this on stage. Yes. Yeah. And so I, I, I didn't steal them because they were mine. Right. Although they they were they were packed in the same box as my brother's and my mom's and everybody else's jewelry, but I didn't touch theirs. I only took mine. Although if I ah. had taken theirs, I could have moved into a penthouse probably. <laughs> and but I never stayed gone humble back. and I stayed yeah. honest. Yeah, I just took mine I- and I sold them. And then she noticed. And for like a year, I didn't tell her it was me. For a year, she was like trying to figure out who and how. Sure. And she was losing it. But I was so scared to tell her that she was like. I'm going to find the person. I was like, yes, we will. Oh no. <laughs> call the police or deeper. Yeah. She almost deeper. called, but then she got to the point where she was going to call the police. And I was yeah. like, I got it. And then she got to the point where she was blaming my dad. She was like, was it you? And my dad was like, no. And then they got divorced. Like, and you still did, didn't say anything. Like, yeah. I she was like, then who was it? Who was it? And then he knew, he knew it was me. Oh yeah. no. But he did it. He didn't rat me out. He was oh, like, that's good. Oh, this is like OJ. Know. You yeah. know, <laughs> OJ's kid was the one who killed Nicole, but OJ never admitted it. That's why he went down for it. I'm, this oh, is, is that it. is that one of the theories? Yeah, that's my theory. <laughs> that's your theory. <laughs> I'm just oh, thinking. It's just Turner's. <laughs> no, I read this somewhere a decade ago in a tabloid when I was waiting to check out at the grocery store. I'm just thinking about. I have a daughter, and if she one day does this with all of our all of her my, her mother's jewelry, I'll I guess I'll keep the secret, but she's gonna have to throw me some money. So. Yeah, you need a kickback. A little kickback, a little 10% or something. Give me a. My dad is like, like Switzerland. He's like, you, it's your problem. I don't want to. I don't want to. Switzerland of dads. That's Kaplan, actually. (laughs) Actually, it's a great description of my style of parenting. (laughs) Very hands off. Yeah, I feel like most dads are like that. Sometimes it's a a modern dad, right? Yeah. Well, especially if it's, I I mean, I'm no parent, but between a mother and a daughter, right, Kaplan? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. I stay out of that. Exactly. That's the guy. Yes. It's another thing. The girls, you got to just. Yeah. I guess my son, I got to deal with a little bit, but yeah, but then (laughs) I told her and then, and then what happened? Yeah. She, I can't remember her the moment where she was like, she was very pissed, but I did it at a point where I had already bought my ticket. And I think I was like two weeks away from leaving where she couldn't do anything at this point anymore. Uh. And then she was just, it was the first time that it was one of the first times maybe where she wasn't angry. She was just really disappointed. Oh, the the American style. Apparently. Where she was like, <laughs> she looked at me and she was like, I don't even know what to say to you. Just, and she was, she was so upset. And so, and just like all the stuff she, she I inherited from my grandmother, my great grandmother, and all the like, it was the jewelry and the gold that I got when I was born from like her aunts and uncles and stuff aye, like that. And, and, on, and my baptism and on my aye. first communion. And it's like, it was like, and so I remember so many of them that were so cute, but I went into this little store and like, uh, like a really weird street in the middle of Beirut. It's like uh, it's like a street filled with like a bunch of jewelry shops and suitcase shops, and it's like a very chaotic street where there's like it's cheap. It's it's like it's like chaotic street, and you just walk in, and it's like an old man and his wife were in there, and I was like, "How much can you give me for this?" And they were like, 
okay, let's see. And it was really, it's, it was all sketchy, weird. How do you know do you if you, you got a good deal? Or how, yeah, do you know how do you know if you got a good deal or not? I don't. I was like, just give me whatever you can. And then oh, they, no. like, they have like, oh, wow. they have this, they have this little up. calculator. <laughs> they had this little calculator that you would see in the nineties. Every movie and, I see this ends bad. So it's always like, yeah, no, really but they were so cool. And then they were like, okay, so today the gold is worth XX and you, and then they weigh the gold in front of you. Right. And then they tap it on the calculator. So oh, yeah. that's how many grams there is. And that's how much the way the gold, the, the, the gold is worth. And they're like, I made like $2,000 from it, which is crazy. Cause it was, jewelry that that cost a lot more was that your defense they don't count they don't count they don't count the um, The craftsmanship and stuff craftsmanship or the diamonds they didn't pay for the diamonds they don't count the diamonds it's just the gold so you lose the diamonds I That's the know. big. I, you know, I wish you would have come to. I got a guy on Forty Seventh Street. He could have. He would have given me a better <laughs> deal. Which sounds like the Forty Seventh Street of Beirut, where you're describing. How but. would I have bought the ticket then? <laughs> right. I guess you're right. He's. I, I would have been like, trust me. Ticket. She's good for the money. Buy her the ticket. She'll pay you in gold when she gets yeah, here. Yeah, I bought the ticket in cash. <laughs> yeah. I went to the airline to their office, and I was like, wow. "Hello, I need to buy a ticket." To That's New like York. again what you see in movies. I don't know if people really could do that. We just show up in cash and like, "I need to go." I didn't know home either. Alone. I just, yeah. I just had to figure it out. And so, last December when I was in Lebanon, my mom was like, "I'm gonna buy you a ring because you, you fucking sold everything, so you don't have anything <laughs> for me." So I'm going to buy you a ring because I want you to have something to remember me by. So she's like trying to just be like aggressive about it and not be sweet about it. So she's like, I'm going to do this, but don't think I'm happy with you. I'm still pissed. So I was like, okay. So we were walking into stores. And first of all, she would walk into every jewelry store being like, hi, I need to buy something for my daughter for when I die. (laughs) And And then the fucking jewelry woman would be like, what the fuck? And I was like, just whatever and so she's like let's get her a ring and then i try on a ring and then she'd be like i'd be like i like that and then the jewelry woman would be like oh yeah i like that too and then my mom would be like are you gonna sell that one too (laughs) and i was like i we didn't even buy it yet and that's actually the ring that i'm wearing right now that's the one we ended up buying mom she didn't sell it yet check us out (laughs) no and i thought i had lost it yesterday i got back from ohio and it wasn't on my finger oh my Uh, god and I panicked so hard, but then it was just on my dresser. Thank God. I was she's like, never going to, if you actually else. lose it, if you lose it, she's never going to believe you that you lost it. So yeah. Yeah. She probably wanted to. No, yeah, like, definitely not. <laughs> and every time she looks at it, she, I'm like, oh, it's the ring you gave me. She's like, mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> that's a good <laughs> Had they yeah, seen you perform um, your parents? Yeah. In, yeah, in Lebanon or, or here? So my mom, for the first time, she saw me in Dubai. When I was opening for um, that French comic that I used to open for, Gad. Um, oh, Gad Elamé? Gad Elamé, yeah. Oh, you opened for him? I didn't know that. Yeah, I went on the road with him like two years ago. And that was the first time my mom saw me. And our last stop on his tour, it was the last two shows that he had. They were at the Dubai Opera, which to this day remains the biggest room I've ever done. It's like a literal opera house. It's so beautiful. And that was the first time she saw me. Wow. In that kind awesome. of setting. But, um, and then she I'm, saw me a couple more times in Lebanon when I performed in Lebanon. My mom saw but, me as a grizzly pear. <laughs> oh, no. no. I'm just kidding. She did it. Oh. <laughs> well, the Sacramento Opera House. She's seen you, right? Have you she's, played yeah, that? she's in the Sacramento. <laughs> the Met of Sacramento. Yeah, the El Dorado. Uh, did she love opera? it? Did yeah, oh, they've seen me a million times. They come to every oh. single show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. My mom has seen me a couple of times, like in Dubai and then in Beirut, but she never made a comment. 
Mm. Oh. She never said anything. Like in Dubai after the show, like I got off stage. I was like, she was like, are you hungry? She's like, how much no, did you get paid? Not, I want the value in yeah. uh, jewelry. Yeah. In jewelry. <laughs> how many grams of gold <laughs> was that set worth? <laughs> you know, I think about going back to that store sometimes. And I'm like, what if they still have it? Then I'm like, yeah, they yeah. probably just smelted it. No. They buy it back. And it. they're going to sell it back to you for like $10,000. So you don't even want to try that. <laughs> I so fucked up. I don't regret it, but I kind of do. Could you perform in Lebanon or is that, did, did no comedy ever really stand up? Yeah, no, there is. There's oh, there a huge is. scene now. I mean, huge. There's like 10 comics total, really. Sure. But they're great. And Ten there's a bunch of guys. Previous. And what? 10 times what a Ten previous. 10 times the previous. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. And, um, and uh, it's uh, three guys who started producing the shows. And then they, these three guys who are fucking awesome. Um, I started the scene basically. And then they started with the shows. Or did they start with the open mics? I think they went, I think they started with the open mics, but now they have a bunch of open mics. Well, not right now, right now, everything has stopped, but, yeah. um, but they did, they did open mics and their open mics would get like a shit ton of people. And then they would do a show once a week of like best of the open mic, but it was always usually the same six, seven guys on rotation. Um, and they would do a show every week that they would sell out every week for like 200 50 people it's amazing they're amazing and so these guys who start off doing comedy there they i think it's kind of like starting out in america in the 60s or 70s when as soon as you start you already have an audience and you already have a show and there isn't a lot of competition so i think their confidence and their voice gets built so much faster yeah than the average comedian here like here of course when you're in new york you're like you have the best comics because we go through the worst things we have the worst stages blah 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 and so we can, we can, New York comics can do anything. And to some extent it's true, but also there, like I see them build an act and build a confidence so much faster. But yes. again, I, I wonder what would happen if you would put them in other scenarios than the ones that they're used to. They probably wouldn't be able to handle it like the average New York comic, but why do we need to do that if it's not necessary? I mean, I can closely answer that because I started very similar to how they did. And yeah. yes, the confidence level is something that you're like two years in and your stagecraft and everything is great because right. you're used to perform. You have great crowds every single night. Whereas like there is no like just like dying in front of two people at an open mic at three in the afternoon and the two people yeah. hate you and they're not they're yeah. comedians who want to go. Best. So you do develop this like confidence and stage. But what really kicked me in the ass is when I got here, it, my nothing was tight. None of my material was tight. And you thought it was before you got here. Yes. I yeah. agree. I agree. Yeah. And I watched them. When I watch them, I'm like, this is great. This is funny, but it's not tight. Yeah, because it doesn't if, have to be. Yeah. Because it doesn't have to be, right. Because right. the audience also hasn't seen stand-up either. So they're just like mesmerized by whatever you're doing. Right. Right. That's so, so true. And so if you're there, impression. it works great for there. But if you're going to come here, you're going to get exposed pretty quickly. Yeah, I did. So, so yeah. tell, those guys, <laughs> tell those guys not to sell any jewelry and come here. Stay, uh, <laughs> Stay where they are. Don't Keep sell your jewelry. watches. Yeah, it's not worth it. Great. But, well, uh, Natalie, a uh, co um, couple last things. First of all, where can people find you? And also, how can people help? Yeah, if help. What, exactly. I was going to ask, yeah. Or okay. is, is, what's the best place to donate? Whatever. Whatever you um, So I have... <laughs> okay. Thank you, Turner. I appreciate the freedom you gave me. <laughs> I feel um, like I'm just like trying to guess things. I'm like, what am I talking about? Keep whatever you want. I mean, only if you want to go, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Um, for for Lebanon, I there's a link that I put on my Instagram on the bio, which is help dot Lebanon car. I don't know why there are two R's in it. So it's help Lebanon dot card, but card is with two R's dot mm. co. So if you click, if you write that link down on the web, and then you go, there will be the list of all the um, NGOs that you can help that could use it. So it's a very good site that has everything. Um, it can get a little overwhelming, um, but just know that whichever thing you click on is going to someone reliable. Um, right now, I am encouraging people to um, donate to the Children's Cancer Center because it got really affected by the explosion. It kind of completely got demolished and kids with cancer can't get treatment right now because of it. Um, so I do recommend donating to that. And then um, I also recommend rec- uh, donating to the Lebanese Red Cross, which is on there um, because they could need the money. And then um, there's an, an organization called impact.lebanon on Instagram. There's a lot of fake accounts that try to copy them. So don't be careful not to go to them. Their account is verified and it's impact.lebanon and there is distributing the money equally to a bunch of organizations. And um I think that's pretty much it in terms of general. I can't. I can't name all of them. Then no one's. We'll put. We can put links anything. to these we'll put in these the description online, of yeah. the show too. Yeah, and so, but you know, that site usually has everyone on there, so it's pretty. It's you can count on it, um, and everything helps. So whatever you can give to help. Um, and what's your Instagram? Great. My oh, I forgot about that. My Instagram is uh, Nat Your Color N A T Your Color. Yes, great. It's one of the yeah. finest. Yeah, <laughs> what's the greatest? Inter- I always laugh whenever I see it. I'm like, it's such a great. Instagram. People laugh before they even understand it. I don't I'm understand like, it. I just find it's well, hilarious. It's a, yeah, it's it's kind of like I, I I did it like six years ago. It's kind of like um, not your when you say something is not your color. Oh yeah, I got it's that. Like, oh, I'm wearing like that's not your color. Yes, and I just I just thought that I I, I did it at a time where I was like um, nobody's color. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty I don't good. fit in with anyone or anything. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a rebellious, I don't know. I don't fucking know. But now it's just fun to me. So I keep it. It's pretty hilarious. All right. Thank you very much. That is the episode. Natalie, thank you for doing it. Thank um, you guys for having me. Yeah. Thank Welcome you. Back to New York City. I know you're just go outside and uh, hang out with the people screaming at each other. Be a good, <laughs> good rest of your day. Kaplan, that's it. Uh, what should we do? I think it's time to get lost. Get lost. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.